What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNVR Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Spano. I'm sitting here in the DNVR bar in my corner office. It's pretty crazy. I'm looking out of the glass wall here downstairs people are eating and drinking and there's some music going on behind me it's really crazy vibe really crazy life really crazy time in the world i'm so excited to be going on this journey with you we're gonna have amazing guests on here we're gonna dive deep and drill deep into the sports media business digital content business in general and really what I do on a daily basis in, in my life and, and share some things that are valuable to me. Podcasts in general have helped me so much as I've transformed over the last three, four, five years. And uh, I want to create something that, that, that I can put out there that helps somebody else like me transform and, and grow. And so hopefully we attract that kind of an audience and we have those kind of people around because I think this is going to be a blast. Every episode is going to start the same. I'm going to jump into the book that I'm currently reading. I'm just going to throw out one quote there. We'll jump into the stock market. We'll go to Bitcoin. And then uh, once we get through those updates, we will jump right to our guest. And uh, that'll do it. You know, that, that'll, that'll be every pot. I'm going to try to make them anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes. This first one is going to be pretty long, but most of them won't be that long. So let's jump right to it, guys. Right now, I'm reading Warrior of the Light, Paulo Coelho. Just an incredible author the most beautiful writer of my time as far as i'm concerned uh, he wrote the alchemist which i think is the most important book uh, in the world i think that everybody should have to read the alchemist if you want to know how i think and what i believe read the alchemist i believe that that's the world that i believe i if you hang out with me long enough you'll hear me saying really weird things like the language of the world you know talking about this kind of uh, this this divine energy that everyone's connected with and a bunch of weird stuff and, and i'm a weirdo so but i believe in that you know there's some amazing quotes in here uh, warrior of the light uh, is uh, paulo coelho's book after the alchemist and this is the quote that really stuck out to me that i wanted to share with you today uh, this kind of gives you an idea too of kind of paulo coelho and just how beautiful he is of a writer the warrior of light is capable of seeing what is beautiful because he carries beauty within himself for the world is a mirror and gives back to each man the reflection of his own face you might want to rewind that back and listen to that. It's an incredible quote. It's an absolutely incredible, incredible quote. It kind of goes back to another quote where he says, the warrior can trust other people because he trusts himself. A lot of this is just like this really internal stuff. And this world is kind of a reflection of yourself and the way that you think. And really, there's a lot of learning worldwide that could be done just around that talking point let's jump to the stock market here i really love DraftKings right now that's the one stock i want to talk about today uh, it's up 13 percent. it's outperforming everything it, it, at least everything that's on my watch list which is pretty dynamic it's up uh you know to 41.64 right now three days ago it was 34 dollars. it's so it's it's doing really well Overall, Dow is up 0.61%. Uh, S&P 500 closed on Monday at 0.83, and the NASDAQ closed at 1.43. So everything is, is up slightly after a disastrous week uh, last week. Let's jump to Bitcoin. If you followed me long enough, you know that I'm a big-time Bitcoin truther. I do dabble in the stock market a little bit but uh, bitcoin is my baby i'm acquiring bitcoin long term i have an automated payment that's made into my account every single week uh, i acquire bitcoin no matter the price forever until it's gone because i believe in it 
Bitcoin is at 94.14 right now, which is about where it's been for the last month or so. It's been hovering. It it actually dropped to 8,800 last night or early this morning, um, but came right back up. And uh, the market's been, you know, the crypto market's really been carrying it above nine for, you know, at least a month or so. We had a time in May, or I mean, March rather, uh, where it dropped very low to about 3,400, 3,200, something like that. I went in on that big time, obviously, uh, and uh, uh, since then it's it's kind of risen, and it's been about this nine thousand mark between eight and ninety seven hundred since April. So it's it's holding strong, you know. Ever since the halving, it's it's really hasn't dropped below nine. That is it for our morning update here. Uh, we're going to jump to our first interview ever on DNVR Biz, and I'm really excited about it. Our first guest is my co-founder and uh, one of my partners, Ryan Konigsberg. Ryan has been with me since the beginning on this journey, uh, one of the originals and, you know, a guy who means a lot to me personally and on a business level, you know, just a very unique individual, somebody that you just, you know, in a world where there's like a lot of the same person walking around everywhere, this is a guy that uh, really stands alone and has a unique perspective on everything. And this is his entire world. And so, you know, I've really tried to build the company around people that live the lifestyle. That's what we call it here at DNVR, living the lifestyle. And he lives the lifestyle. He's created the lifestyle with me here. So uh, it's really amazing. He has a really unique perspective on this industry and our company in general. So without further ado, the first interview on DNVR Biz, Ryan Konigsberg. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. How are you doing, man? Doing great, man. Another beautiful <laughs> summer day in Colorado. No, yeah, I, nothing to complain about. I got to admit, I, um, I was pretty bummed. Uh, you, you uh, took a hiatus. You went on a big golf tournament in Estes Park for three days and uh, not having you, you know, you were completely off the grid, which I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm just not used to you being off the grid. I don't think I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I, uh, I quite enjoyed it uh, as much as I, uh, as much as I love being in communication with everyone, a little bit of a, uh, of getaway golf course and hanging out with 15 of my buddies from high school was a, uh, was a nice, a nice little weekend getaway. Yeah. And it was for selfish reasons, just like just not seeing you in the partner slack or not being able to text you something and have an immediate response or something like that. It's just uh, like a little chunk of your life is gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Monday. I'm back in the fold. So back here in, we go. Back in action. Well, you know, I want to talk about the future of sports media with uh, the person who's helping me build the future of sports media. Uh, one of the people helping me build the future of sports media, of course. Um, but let's, let's take it way back because it wasn't always building the future of sports media for us, right? It was, um, a lot of times just staying alive. Um, a lot of times trying to figure out what the hell we were doing, especially in the early days, you know, coming up with, uh, ideas and, and doing, a, trying a bunch of things that didn't work and a bunch of things that did work. And so, I mean, if we take it all the way back to, 2015 we get together we are starting to build bsn denver 
which is what DNVR was originally. And the idea was essentially to just build these team communities with real journalists that were credentialed, but also young and hip to new media and understood social networks and did it inside of a way that was kind of like an SB Nation way, except using real journalists and, and kind of upping the, the standards a little bit, right? I mean, that was pretty much the play. Yeah, I mean, you say like it wasn't always about the future of sports media, but I think it was always about the future of sports media. And like there was two very distinct sides of this thing, which was newspaper journalists and, you know, traditional journalists and bloggers. And I think the future, at least the way we saw it, was somewhere in between there. Yeah, yeah that's, you right. Know? that's right. And so like that, that was – what intrigued me the most when you and I first talked is like, okay, so we're going to have, you know, the personality of a blog with the credentials quite literally and respectability of a newspaper. And so right then and there, you know, like to use a political um, kind of metaphor there, it was like, we were, we were finding the middle ground and while that might not work in politics, we thought it might really work uh, in sports journalism. Yeah, and originally we sat down and we said, hey, we can do a million unique users a month by the end of the year. <laughs> you say Which, we said that, you said that. <laughs> but you agreed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was all in. I would have believed pretty much anything at that point. <laughs> Uh, that was really hard. That wasn't going to happen. We weren't going to do that. But throughout that first year, we learned a lot. And then by the end of that year, we launched the podcast network. And I guess, you know, that period of time, I honestly remember 2015 way more than I remember 2016. In 2017, I actually remember pretty vividly as well. That was really transformational. 2016 was just like a slog. We were like becoming an actual, trying to become an actual media company. We were launching podcasts. We were trying all kinds of things. Um, yeah, we, we were kind of getting into video a little bit. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't necessarily have any plan to scale any particular thing. We were just trying a bunch of different things. But the one thing that, that I did, did stick that year, other than the Christmas party, was the fact that the response on podcast was essentially, I like this better than sports talk radio. Can you guys do these every day? And we weren't, we weren't equipped for it, but hearing that throughout the year changed our perception of it. Right. Yeah. And you know, for me, that was kind of always my, I had always had that in the back of my mind. Like, and it, and it almost at the time when I first thought of it, and, you know, we had talked to some people, BK, who was helping out with the podcast network at the time, had, had talked about doing podcasts every day. And I, I had thought about it. And at the time, I thought that was like a pipe dream. Like, that would be unbelievable. Doing a podcast every single day is crazy. And I remember having those thoughts and being like, wow, we could actually almost operate like a radio station in the sense that we have so much programming across a whole day and we could do these team specific podcasts. But I do remember thinking like, yeah, but that, you know, that's something that's way down the road. You know, that that's a, that's a total dream to be able to do that many podcasts. You know, I guess it was on the Broncos with me and BK where we first kind of, uh, kind of ex experimented with that. Yeah. And essentially the idea was, okay, 
you know, how can we do a podcast every day? Uh, everyone will need audio equipment. And that alone was like daunting just to be able to buy enough audio equipment, one for each beat. And then who's going to produce them? So there were so many questions there. We didn't have the infrastructure on the website to make it scalable so that, you know, either we were hosting our own or because how would we put them on the website? Did we use a third party you know, thing like uh, sound, uh, megaphone. Me well, not megaphone. Blueberry. At the time. None of those were even around. Oh yeah, Blueberry was the first one. Yeah. So anyway, we find someone to help us build this infrastructure out on the site where we can actually build in RSS feeds through categories, and then they would go to different destinations like Apple or Google or whatever. And so we built one for each team and. By 2017, we were able to go and at that point finally buy podcast equipment in the summer of 2017. And that's when we really nailed it down and said, hey, we're going to start doing these daily for every single beat. Here's podcast equipment for, for every single beat. And we've got this real scalable system. And by that time, you know, our, our Twitter accounts for each team, we had built the communities we had envisioned still very early, but we were kind of off to the races. And that was, uh, you know, that summer was kind of like the, uh, the most defining summer for me. We got into the office, we built the video studio, we had the podcast running daily as, as a network, we, we launched the daily sports report. And That's also when it became me and Zach on the Broncos podcast. Yep. 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 So I guess let's just jump to that and let's kind of talk about that because that's really kind of a big transformational moment for everybody. I remember uh, Drew and Jake doing Nelton, uh, Nolan Arenado in the dugout. You and Zach were doing the Broncos pod every day at the facility. We had the Nuggets guys doing the pods after games in the media room at the Pepsi Center, same as the Avs. So you were here, the audience was hearing these guys who were all these kind of startup young journalists and were just starting to build a name for themselves at that time um, because we didn't start with blue checks, right? I mean, blue check, we, we started with a bunch of young guys and now all of our guys have these big audiences and these team accounts have these big audiences, but this was all from scratch. But it all kind of came together at that time and really kind of started blowing up. Yeah, you know, there's something that we've talked about a lot with investors and other people that are interested in the company. And it's this idea of us taking the fans on the journey with the team. And I think that when we really hit our stride there is when we started to realize that, that, was, that, that there was value in that. And that fans were really starting, starting to appreciate the fact that we were taking them on the journey wherever we were they were and they could feel that you know whether we were traveling and I think you know it was later that year that we went to our our first senior bowl and did that and like we're at the draft we're at the combine I'm speaking from personal I remember AJ going to Chicago for the NHL draft and you know him you know being able to take the people there so that's when we really started to realize the value of bringing people on the journey and I think that's a big part of who we are today and why we are the way we are today. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. I remember the podcast of our first Senior Bowl trip, even before. That would have been the very beginning of 2018, I think. Yeah, January. yeah, 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 where we went on the trip and we did the pod, the post Senior Bowl podcast 
on the way from Mississippi Mobile. to uh, Mobile, Alabama, uh, through Mississippi to New Orleans. And uh, we did the podcast on the road there. And that was like a, that kind of, that pod ended up kind of having a cult following. That was like a popular one. Actually, there was one guy that didn't like it because I dropped an F-bomb during that. I think it provoked everyone else to just be able to cuss on that. And we never cuss on DNVR podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. you, you really opened the floodgates there. <laughs> so now we're off to the races. One of the things we did, which was huge for the company at that time, is and and I kept this a secret forever. No one understood this, but now I'll, now it's this is kind of outplayed and isn't just isn't a strong enough source and isn't unique enough anymore to matter. We actually don't really do it anymore. But in 2017, we get an SBA loan that summer. We buy a bunch of equipment. We build the podcast, the video studio, rather at BSN Denver headquarters, and we started doing the daily sports report and what we did, which was really unique at the time was we sold the presenting sponsorship of the daily sports report hosted by Ali Monroy to different businesses uh, in different regions. And so you could be a Lakewood dentist office and own that the presenting sponsor rights to that video on Facebook in Lakewood. We would geo target it. And then we would have a different one in Denver. We'd have a different one in Evergreen, different one in Cherry Creek. We ended up selling this video to 14 different advertisers at the, at that time. And so Allie would cut one video and then she would have different opens and she would create 14 different ones and then drop them into Facebook. And they all had uh, these little segments that we already had built in. So she could just drop them in and hit go and it would go geo target to that area. So depending on where you were watching, if you were a sports fan, you were being targeted the daily sports report, but it was a different ad that was in your you know, a place that was in your area. And that created some visibility for, for sponsors that was really geo-targeted. And, and we were able to outmaneuver TV and radio doing that because we could say, hey, we could go to a bar and say, hey, what if we can get everyone in a five-mile radius that's a sports fan to see your brand? And, and that all of a sudden was, you know, a great value to them. So you did that on top of the daily video, the daily podcast rather, and we were really hitting our stride. We had a ton of written content. And then this was the moment where things really changed because really in 2016 banner ads, the value of them started really going down and it just kept doubling down. And, and if you remember in 2017 is when Fox said, we're going away from written content, Fox sports, we're going to go video. And everyone said, this is insane. And, and what was happening was you just couldn't make money online with banner ads. And the fact of the matter is, is if you want to employ a bunch of journalists to travel around and cover pro sports, you have to be able to pay them. And you know, you have to, if you're building a sports network, it has to continue to grow on and on. So we said, we were kind of forced Hey, the only way we can go here is if we get to a subscription model and we had uh, a really, a really dedicated audience and we did a bunch of user analytics and we found that there was a certain percentage of the IP addresses that kept coming back. And we developed a lot of st statistics around the idea that we could have a pretty large subscriber base if we went to subscription and we ended up finding somebody who could build us the subscription stuff and 
you know, even that, right? It's never been a, a moment where we, we made it and it hit the switch. Even that was like such a grind and the tech wasn't right and all this stuff. But we finally get on and we launch three weeks late. Well, real quick, let me take just back a little bit because okay. you, deserve, you deserve a lot of credit for pushing that boat forward because I was very hesitant about it. I, you know, you were thinking a lot more from a business perspective. I was thinking more from a content perspective and I was very nervous about going to a full on subscription world. You know, I, I kept trying to pitch you on different things to avoid being able to go because honestly, you know, from a Bronco standpoint, we had really started to gain a lot of traction in terms of being able to have stories go viral and that sort of thing. And I, and I really loved that, but you had a ton of confidence and you were steadfast in the, in the idea that we would be able to convert a lot of our users into subscribers. And, and you eventually convinced me, but it was not, uh, you know, uh, you brought it to me and I was like, yeah, let's go hundred percent. You really had to pitch me on it and convince me on it. And so you deserve credit for, uh, for moving that boat forward. Cause you were definitely right on that one. Yeah. We definitely live in a world where I try to make sure that, you know, everyone's comfortable with the direction that we're moving in. And I very rarely just move through it if everyone's not. At most, try to make some adjustments around it so that we're conceding to, to you know, certain things that people might be worried about. So anyway, we go to subscription and, you know, it's, it's two days before Christmas, right? No, three days, it was 20, December 22nd is when we launch it, we have the party. And even we had so much tech issues. I remember at that time, even that night, actually, I, the app wasn't up, right? The app wasn't up. Uh, you, I think they had to wait to the next day to actually become a subscriber. But we have this party at Jackson's. And, and this is how much of a grind it was, guys. We, I, I ended up have, telling each beat, you need to DM people on Twitter that follow you and get we need to get a thousand email addresses in the next like 14 days or something like that so that we can have this hold this watch party everyone has to get a certain amount of 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 email addresses and you know what to everyone's credit and this is the thing that's been really cool about this company because these are all journalists and a lot of times journalists are against business they're against growing and, and all these different kinds of things and everyone just grinded out and they jumped in there and people were turning in tons of email lists. And we ended up with like 1400 emails that the, you know, employees at DNVR, pretty much all journalists at that time got on Twitter. We sent out this uh, big email about this big party, plus the email list that we already had. And um, we planted at Jackson's and we just hoped, Hey, are people going to come? It was our first party we ever had. We had no idea. And it was packed, right? We packed the entire thing at Jackson's, took over the entire bar. One of the most amazing transformational moments in the company history. We go to subscription and within 30 days we had, you know, I mean, I think that first 30 days went like, you know, like 1,000, 1,500 subscribers. Like it was a big amount for the first 30 days for us at least. And you know, it was another one of those times where it was the high in the roller coaster, right? It was, it was a high point. So to me, at that point, we're doing daily podcasts. We moved to a subscription model. We're doing this, this unique video stuff. 
I really started to feel at that time, like now we're really separating ourselves from everybody else. We're not just trying to be something. We still very much were trying to become something, but we started to separate from the field a little bit at that time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, may, something that we didn't realize that really clicked then is before, leading up to that point, the podcasts had started to really build um, communities around them and, and people were invested in it. And I kind of remember, you know, feeling that way and starting to realize, oh my God, we have listeners in Sweden and in and, and all these different places. But when we kicked that subscription model in, it really separated, I think, the people who were just, you know, oh, this, this company kind of comes up in my feed once in a while to these are my people. And those were the people who were coming in. And then those people started interacting with each other. And we started seeing people in the comment section and kind of repeat users and, and all that stuff. And that's when I think we started to feel a real sense of community. And we started, you know, I remember, you know, people like Gunnar Kane and Ryan Clayman. And like, we started knowing the names of our users, yeah, which yeah, was something yeah. that we didn't. Especially when they were lifetimes. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Both of those guys kicked it in lifetimes, like right away. But, uh, you know, it, it was like a totally different shift from like, we're an outlet and we just shoot stuff out of a cannon and hope people catch it to like, Oh, like we know who our people are now. And, and I thought that that was like a huge shift in terms of who we are because it was like, okay, now these people who are, who are believing in us enough to spend their money on us are really who we're, who are, who we're about. The very first subscription that came in was a lifetime subscription, the very first one. And then they just started coming in and coming in. And I remember just like, it was like all through the night and day, like they were just pouring in. And I was just thinking to myself, is this what it's going to be like forever? (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely was not like that forever. But (laughs) I remember telling you, no, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You were really worried, actually. But, but yeah, that was, a, that was an incredible time. You know, I think that that really changed, you know, you looked at it from a, from a base. I mean, the year before we had tried to raise money, tried to raise VC money, tried to raise angel money, incredibly difficult time. And we thought that everyone was crazy. Now that we look back, we're like, oh yeah, like this makes sense. Like everyone said we weren't ready yet or we weren't. And, and they were so right. Everyone was so right. Like it, it could have ruined us actually any, if we would have taken on any big investments in 2017 or 2018, we would have never been able to, to, to build this probably. I think we've, we would have ruined it. Yeah. I mean, you, it's funny looking back at those times because you always think you have it figured out. And I honestly think it's taken till now for me to enjoy the fact that we never have it figured out <laughs> and almost like take I I get enjoyment out of the fact of being like, man, there's, there might be something coming at any moment that we're not ready for. And we're going to have to just like catch it and run with it and just figure it out from there. And, you know, back then you're almost, when we're trying to find who we are, I wanted to think like every time we turned one corner, that was it. Okay. Oh, Oh, now this is who we are. And then you just want to hang on to it because you've been searching for it for so long. And now when I think we actually are definitely as close to knowing exactly who we are as we ever have been, I now take enjoyment out of the fact of being like, 
we could, you know, something could change at any moment and we're ready for that. And we don't exactly have to know exactly who we are at any given moment. We have, what we really have to do is be prepared to change and not be, not put our feet in the concrete and just try and stay exactly how we are. Yeah. Yeah. I always say this. Uh, I love the idea that we were always trying to become something. I know you've heard me say this a million times, but we were always trying to become something. We always wanted to be something. We tried to be something. We tried to have a certain look so we could be something and act a certain way. Uh, and, and now we just, we're just us. You know, now we, we just try to be a better version of us. And we're like, who are we? And we act the way that we are. And we're comfortable with who we are. We know who we are. Our, our brand speaks to who we are. The people that we have speaks to that. And there's no phony stuff. We're not, you know, so uh, there's an even argument about, you know, if that's us, if this isn't us, you know, and so it's, it's more of like trying to double down and, and to, and, and say like, hey, this is exactly who we are, not this is who we're trying to be. We're not really trying to be anything anymore. Exactly. And, you know, I think that's a good segue into, you know, where we are today and where we might be going. But it's like it, it, this, a lot of the things that happen aren't intended. But I think this one that you're talking about right now was exactly tied to the rebrand. And when we rebranded to DNVR and our slogan was, we are Denver, you know, it, it clicked on something in everyone's head of like, yeah, like we are Denver and we like these teams and we want these teams to succeed. And that's part of who we are. And we've always been that way, but we were trying to, you know, we were so desperate for being recognized as legitimate that we felt like we had to act like some of these other outlets and, and some of the traditional outlets and that, you know, we always say we're completely non-biased and all that BS that they try to, you know, that they try to spew at you. And when we became that, it was kind of like, yeah, let's just be us. And, you know, so some of our people are more critical. Some of our people might be more of homers, some of our people are, you know, hot takes, whatever it is. It's just like, be authentic. And in, in the end, what I think has been really illuminated is that's what people loved about us always, but we were always trying to compensate with, okay, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta balance it out and do this and that and the other thing. Now, all of our people, you know, I think are very empowered to just be themselves and that's what people love because that's a huge part of the podcast is you you are in someone's ears every day. You're with them on their ride to work. You're with them on their ride home or whatever it is. You become their friends. And part of what's made us, you know, made this community special is we really have become real friends with a lot of these people. And you're talking in the DMs or you see them at the bar, whatever. And multiple people have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I've noticed that in the last whatever, six months, you guys have really just started to be more authentic and not afraid to say exactly how you feel. Uh, and I think that has been a huge, we, we, it's just been huge for us to realize that. And I think it really was tied to the rebrand. We didn't plan that with the rebrand, but it just gave us a chance to reset and look ourselves in the mirror and just say, let's just be us. And th I think that's what people really like. Yeah, there's this quote that I wrote uh, that I was, you know, I, I have all of these quotes that are just waiting to be tweeted. But uh, this is one that's actually a quote from me, which I have a lot of quotes that I take from books and podcasts. But it's essentially this idea that, that someone had made a comment to me in, in some way that 
we keep we're changing the game and we're making the the media these the competition have to become uncomfortable and do things out of their comfort zone or something like that almost like it was this like mission driven thing for us to change sports media or especially in Denver here of course and and I just didn't really see it like that and what I said is the way I'm looking at this is we aren't creatively trying to change the game uh, like some are saying, we just keep doubling down on who we are and what makes sense for us. It just so happens to be very different than what's been done before. And it also makes our so-called competitors uh, have to do things that they just aren't comfortable with because we just keep doubling down on who we are and going into things. And we didn't have a plan to open a bar, but you know, we started, we had lots of watch, we had lots of watch parties and that we became part of our core business and, and who we were. And you have more and more and more. And we, you know, we always have tried to do things the smart way. So we did everything through Eventbrite and we were building email lists and whatever. And you end up building a large, you know, group of people that come to these. And then pretty soon bars are paying you pretty good money to have these parties at their place and inside of your contracts and, and stuff. And it was just a matter, I mean, we didn't think of it, but yeah, of course it doesn't make, it makes sense. It was only a matter of time before someone said, Hey, like, we'll give you guys a bar, come over here. Let's do this deal together and let's do it. Right. So that's just another example of us just being inside of the community, uh, being in the crowd instead of on the stage and doing things that benefit them, listening to them and then reaping the rewards from it. Yeah. You know, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And I said something to you, I don't know, a few months back, but I said, you know, I think what our, our real mission here is to enhance the experience of being a fan of one of these teams. And that's hearing a podcast about your team every day when it's not covered in, in the paper very well. And maybe they don't talk about it on sports media. That's going to a watch party and meeting your friends and meeting new friends and becoming friends and, you know, celebrating with, strangers that's having your favorite shirt be one of your team and it's comfortable and you you know you love and you love wearing it and all that stuff like it's something that I think we've done a really good job of is you know we hear it a lot from Broncos fans after from these last few seasons like you know the actual games haven't been that fun but listening to this podcast every day is really fun for me and it's and it's kept me close to the team even when the games aren't fun and I think you know that's something that again it wasn't necessarily a, a, an original mission was, oh, let's enhance the experience of being a fan. But I think it's been part of who we who we've become. And, I've, you know, I've always said that we want we want to just be that friend who just knows a little bit more about the team. You know, when I was a kid, that's that's what I was to my group of friends. You know, that well, I was all I cared about was sports. I wasn't watching. I wasn't playing any of the non sports video games. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. So, you know, my friends all love sports, but they weren't as into it as I was. So I was always kind of the friend who just knew a little bit more was, was a little bit closer to it. And when they had questions about it, you know, they came to me and I feel like that's just what we've become across the network is the, the guy at the bar, the friend in, in the, in the group who just knows a little bit more about the team, a little bit closer to things and is able to have a little bit more of an informed take. And I think that part of our identity has been really the part that has made us evolve to who we are now and really empowered us to be who we are now. Okay. I want to jump to just two different um, points of reference here that I thought were 
big areas of growth, one a pain point, one kind of a striking of gold point, um, for lack of a better term. So let's jump back. Let's go to the summer of 2018. This one, kind of uh, a really tough summer for me personally and business-wise, but we run out of money. We have this meeting, an all-hands-on-deck meeting. I'm trying to tell everybody that we're in this, we were in the trough of sorrow. (laughs) We had that chart up, actually, and I'm showing everybody, look at if you get out of this, if you are able to survive it always goes up we knew we had subscription money coming in at the end of the year from all the annual memberships that started from december of the year prior and then that january february march was all strong and you know we were going to go on on back-to-back years of of uh of of automated uh subscription sales anyway can you just your i actually remember i'll just give paint everybody kind of an image of of how ryan is like to work with on a day-to-day basis during this time i was frantically trying to raise money i was flying back and forth from new york and i did two new york trips i did connecticut you know, I was meeting with investors here, all of the investors here locally, funds, everything. So anyway, uh, it was, I was at war every day and it was serious and I was in a bad mood uh, and Ryan would come in in a good mood, smiling and it pissed me off so much. Um, (laughs) It would get on my nerves so much (laughs) just because I was at war, you know, and you don't smile in the trenches, but Ryan smiles in the trenches. So anyway, just wanted to share that. But, but Ryan, can you take uh, maybe take us through what that summer was like for you, me and you, I mean, I, it's safe to say now, right? I mean, we went without pay for like 90 days being able to pay ourselves. So just, was there anything good that came from that? Like, like, was there anything that made us better from having to go through that, that, that we wouldn't have had if we didn't? Absolutely. I mean, I think anytime you go through something like that, whether it's in a business, a relationship, a football team, you know, goes on a three game losing skid, but they fight through it, you know, whatever it is. I think when you make it through the toughest times, you always come out on the other side stronger. For me, that time was tough because kind of like you mentioned that you alluded to a little bit, like I'm always optimistic my belief in what we were doing has never waned even a little bit. And during that time, I think maybe everyone but me was doubting a little bit and was worried. And, uh, you know, there were people in the company thinking that, you know, they might get a text from Brandon one morning that just says, Hey, that's it. We're done. Good run. You know? And so there was a, there was a, a, there was a lot of just people being worried and pessimistic and like, that was hard for me because I try to keep spirits high. So I felt like half of my job at the time was like giving pep talks and whether that was with you or someone, you know, someone else, I was just trying to like keep everyone where I was at because I'm, I was just like, all we got to do is just push harder. When, when, when times get tougher, we just fight harder. We in like that actually ended up taking a bit of a mental toll on me because I felt like I was like fighting, fighting for the belief uh, that I had so much. And the, the truth is, I think that everyone eventually, you know, the, every day that we made it another day, everyone's belief grew a little bit more and more and more. 
And you, I think by setting the bar at that meeting, when you basically said, look, we were here, now we're down here in the trough of sorrow, which is the worst place a startup ever goes. All we have to do is get out. And I think that that stayed in people's mind. It stayed in my mind. And, you know, every day that we got closer, because I think you kind of set a bar of like 90 days, we, you know, we just have to fight through these 90 days. And it went 89, 88, 87. You started getting, okay, we're 57 days away. And like every day you feel a little stronger. Oh, okay, well now we're plus halfway. And when we came out of it and you were right and things started, you know, picking back up, then like the the people in the company and, you know, not to, you know, the Drew Creasmans of the world and the AJs and, you know, Harrison and all these people who were there. They, I mean, we made it through, we fought, we, we all took pay cuts. You and me took nothing. And then the, you know, you, Oh, now I got a full paycheck. And like, I think the belief was, was so fortified that, okay, we can make it through this. We're all in this together. Mm, you know, mm. not, not a single person that day said, Hey, I'm not, I'm sorry. I can't not get paid this summer. Everyone was like, hell yeah, let's go do it. And <laughs> yeah, even if they crazy. were scared, everyone stayed in it together. And I think even if one person would have bailed, like it would have been, it could have been bad, but every single person fought through and we made it through. And once we did, I think that everyone felt was, was like back to where I was. Like, I believe in every single thing we're doing, nothing can stop us. Okay. I uh, love that. Love that. So uh, lastly, going to merchandise, we launch merchandise and the very first non team beat shirt that we do. So non like BSN abs, BSN Broncos, BSN Denver, whatever the very first like, shirt that we do is an athlete shirt and it's Phil Lindsay's face and it like goes viral. And uh, this is like in October of 2018. And we had just gotten out of that. We just started seeing subscriptions uh, come back and they were growing because we were getting closer to hockey season. We, we made it through that summer, like you were just saying, and boom, now we start selling merchandise. A shirt goes viral and I, if you remember right, by the time we got to Black Friday, we were trying to figure out how we could print. We had like thousands of orders. We didn't know how to even print that many. All through Christmas, we ended up getting it done. That Christmas season, actually, me, uh, Lindsay, who who is our sales director and handles all of our shipping and everything, she was literally shipping all of these herself. She goes to New York on a trip with her mom and me, you, and Allie are staying. And Eric. And Eric are staying, like, <laughs> all night. And I'm just ordering food. I remember just ordering food that couple weeks in, in December, like, every day. So Grubhub was just showing up at the office, handing people that were working around the clock food because we were just folding shirts and shipping stuff. And we immediately became this... It was the transformation of the lifestyle company at that point, that, that kind of area. So what did that moment mean to you? First of all, you know, going to shirts was super transformational. I think we've used that word a lot, but it was for us maybe partly because now we offered this new product and we had a new revenue stream, but really because we met Eric and Eric is, 
you know, obviously who D line, as a lot of people know him, he does all of our branding. He does all of the shirts. He creates all of our graphics or at least the vision behind all of our graphics. And that was an absolute game changer. Now we didn't know that he was going to be that, you know, that important to everything we did back then. But uh, I think that was obviously the beginning of an, a really, really important relationship for us in the company. But yeah, you know, it's funny you, I guess if there was like a movie about a startup, there would be a scene in it kind of like what you just described with us packing the shirts in and trying to send them all out until midnight, you know, the week of Christmas. Like that that's something that I feel like is like what people imagine when they think of working for a startup. And, uh, you know, it's something, it's one of those moments where you realize like this is, I'm this I'm doing the exact right thing for me because whether it's, you know, staying in the press box until 2 a.m., that's like the easy, that's like, that's still part of the glamour of the job, right, is being at the game and, and all that. But, it, it, you know, you, you work late nights, but this is one of those things, that, like, there's nothing glamorous about this. We were literally using, like, a plastic thing to fold shirts and printing out labels and sticking them on there. But, like, it was still really fun, and we're all hanging out together, and we're, like, laughing and making jokes, and we're not even realizing that we're there until midnight, and it's like, those are, I think those are like important. I think those are like the best moments when you look back on stuff like this, it's like, Oh man, that was a grind, but it was really fun. And that like, that's like I said, just those moments where you're like, yep, this is exactly the right thing for me. I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And, and, and that was a big, that was a big moment. We obviously go to watch parties after that. And so it was the, you know, we launched in like that December, and so it's watch parties, shirts, subscriptions. And then we come right to the rebrand uh, last year. We bring on Adam Mares, who's been absolutely massive for the company. Not only does he bring this massive Nuggets community with him, but helps steer our voice uh, into different media and, and content. And, 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 you know, we kind of end up developing this foursome that we have now, me, you, Adam, and Erica, the partner group, rather, because there's so many important people, whether it's Lindsay still our sales director, Ali's still our uh, video director here uh, and, and uh, you know, product manager. So, I mean, uh, production manager. So a lot of the originals still around, but we kind of have this, this group before and now we're at this moment right now where we don't have sports and we're looked at as this company who's kind of changing the way, at least regionally. And people are, were right before this, we're asking, okay, is this like an acquisition thing? Are these guys going to scale? Are these guys just taking over Denver? Like, what is this? There's all these big things. And we honestly got, as Eric talks about, pretty, you know, I don't want to say arrogant, but we really are, have a good understanding of who we are. There's a lot of match, metrics behind what we did. Our data on membership growth, we, we nailed. Uh, we were hitting all of our stuff. I mean, our growth in every quarterly report's massive. So, and then we get hit with this coronavirus right before we, right as we're opening the bar. And here we are now, we're a couple months into this thing, three months into this thing. And, you know, I have no idea if we're going to get sports or, or, or what. So let's just sum this all up, Ryan. And, and before I get to our uh, quick round here and ask you a couple questions, what are we now and what the hell are we doing? And, and maybe tie it up into the original question of this podcast, which is the future of sports media. Is there something we're doing now and something that we've done that 
continues to show kind of what this future is during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think what we learned during this time more than anything is that the communities that we have built, and, and I say we have built them, but it's really the, you know, the people who have created those communities. We just gave, uh, you know, a place for them to grow. Those communities that those that our members have become a part of are stronger than what created them. You know, they're there because of sports, but in a really kind of special way they've grown stronger than that you know these people are telling each other about their lives every day in the dnvr lounge you know i have one of our members yesterday dming me just wanting wanting to tell me that he bought a house and he's finally a homeowner and and so excited about that and i think it was you know it I'll, i'll always find a reason to be more confident you know that but it made me so confident in everything that we've done because it's like oh yeah like the sports that's what drives this that's what that's what gave people you know that was the first that was the lowest common denominator right if you're here you like sports that's why you got here but it became a lot more than that and so that is really special to me because it shows you that the that the community isn't really reliant on that lowest common denominator it's it's gone it's grown much beyond that and then I think it shows you kind of what I was talking about earlier, which is that you never know exactly who you are or what's going to come next. Like we really thought there, w- there was like for, for a half a second there, we really thought we had it all figured out. And then, you know, something else gets thrown in there. But again, we have this incredible collection of minds at DNVR from top to bottom. And it just, this was like a way for for us internally not not really externally but internally we almost flexed that of just like man we really just have this incredible collection of creativity and we can just come up with stuff on the fly and implement it and you know me and Adamadas have a 4 hour zoom meeting right as the as the virus begins and we're just throwing out ideas and we come up with DNVR watches and we talk about gaming and all of this stuff and then we do pivot to gaming and we do have the watches and then we're, you know, bets comes into the fold and we grab that and we take that by the reins and run with it. And it, it, it just gives me confidence that, you know, I mean, I don't know if anything this crazy is ever going to happen again. I'll touch wood in uh, the parlance of the DNVR Broncos podcast, but it, it just it makes me feel so confident that we're prepared for whatever. And uh, that, you know, like I said, we're not, we're not reliant on the lowest common denominator of our community. The community uh, is, uh, is self-sustaining at this point. Okay. So let's go into the speed round here. This is longer podcast than these will probably be, but really wanted to just walk people through the whole, at least kind of a sped up version of the history of the company, kind of where we are now and, and what we're looking to do. Ryan, I, let's go with some uh, basic questions here that I'm going to kind of throw out at the end of every podcast for the guests. And I'm actually going to tweak this one for you, not to put you on blast because I know that you're not a huge book guy. So <laughs> I'm going to change that up to uh, the most important movie that you've ever seen. Oh my goodness. The most not the imp- best, but the most important movie that you've ever seen. Wow. Um, my God, I honestly wasn't prepared for this but the the, something that's coming to my mind early is remember the titans you know i think that 
when you see that as a young kid, it, it has an impact on you as I did. Uh, and then every time I've watched it since, it means something different to me. And I guarantee you, if you watch it today, it'll mean something different to you than the last time you watched it. So I think that that movie can kind of hit you in different ways, no matter when you watch it, depending on what, what parts you are at your life. And of course, it's, it's all about, you know, sports and, and building a team and building, you know, something special, putting differences aside, which is kind of a lot of the things that we just talked about. Okay, the most underrated athlete of all time. Oh, man. Most underrated athlete of all time. Wow. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with something here that won't be too easy of an answer. Yeah. Take your I time because think- we can edit out this pause anyway. I'll probably just <laughs> – it'll, it'll just be your answer as soon as I ask the question. I think that Peter Forsberg doesn't get enough credit for how great he was. Wow. I mean, Peter Forsberg being most underrated athlete is, is seems to be quite a stretch. I mean, most people consider Peter Forsberg like – I mean, some people call him like the greatest skater of all time. I think that people in Denver say those things about okay. Peter Forsberg. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, last question. Uh, what is the opportunity or space that you are most excited about in the business world? Man, I really think that sports betting, especially for our business and just sports, the sports industry as a whole is going to be really, really huge. You know, we've just kind of touched the iceberg with the NVR bets daily. Uh, and we're trying to have a lot of fun with that, despite the fact that we're talking about the KBO and UFC and all these things that our company has never uh, even covered before. But I think that the opportunities there are endless. I think that it's first of all, really fun uh, as something that I participate in. Uh, I think that it's going to be huge from a business and sports perspective. So I'm really excited to see where that goes and what ways we can use to take advantage of, of the growth that's going to be, uh, that's going to come from that. Awesome, man. Well, you got through it. I uh, appreciate you jumping on first ever DNVR biz podcast. I'm sure there was a million things that we could have put in there maybe literally uh, that, you know, were, was a cool story or something that happened, but we touched on, on the biggest stuff. So nice to have you back in town and uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon. I'll be talking to you. I'm sure via text or in Slack within like 15 minutes, I'm sure as soon as we get off of here. Yeah. Welcome to podcasting with me. It always ends up longer than you think it will be. <laughs> awesome. Thanks brother. Talk to you later. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah, all my life.